0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, JOY. Keep JOY on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. JOY, a diverse sound for a diverse
1: community. Hey, I'm Ray And I'm Dean. And we're from JOY Breakfast. We hope you enjoy this JOY podcast. You're on Joy Breakfast with Rach and Dean, and a few weeks ago, we were alerted to the Rainbow Roundabout in Canberra getting a bit of a facelift to feature the inclusive Pride Flag colours. And Sue Wiebeck, as part of the Ministerial Advisory Council for LGBTQIA plus issues in Canberra, had her say about other ways in which the great capital of Australia could be more inclusive to the community.
0: Sue is the CEO of the Domestic Violence Crisis Service. She is an LGBTQIA plus community advocate as well as passionate violence prevention and respectful relationships educator and advocate. And it is our pleasure this morning to be joined by Sue on Joy Breakfast. Thanks, Sue, for joining us. welcome. Good morning and thanks for having me. Now, firstly, we need to talk about Canberra as the nation's capital. Besides the fabulous Rainbow Roundabout, how LGBTQIA friendly is Canberra?
2: The ACT government has been really clear, and particularly our Chief Minister, that they want to be the most inclusive uh, place to live in Australia, and certainly with a a uh, number of LGBTIQA plus community members sitting in our legislative assembly or our parliament, but also significant figures in the ACT, there's been a lot of uh, legislative reform and policy reform that makes the ACT a really open, accepting and inclusive place to live.
1: Now, talking about the Rainbow Roundabout, it was such big news when it first got painted. Not only because it's really exciting that it's happening, but it looks absolutely amazing when you see shots of it from above. But let's talk about the addition of the trans and people of colour stripes put into the Roundabout. That shows a significant step forward, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely. We all know that inclusion is a active engagement and that there's been significant progress in the community over the last number of years to, to recognise uh, the need for inclusivity of our entire community, and that includes being very clear that uh, our First Nations and people of colour uh, in our community are absolutely celebrated and welcome, and also to be explicit in our inclusion of trans and gender diverse folk as well.
1: I think it's a really interesting thing with the additions of pride flags uh, on footpaths and things that are happening, because I think to many people who aren't a part of our communities, they could look at the rainbow pride flag and assume it's filling the representation. So do you think it creates a great space for conversations when something like the Rainbow Roundabout is updated to include people of colour and the trans colours to let them know the full diversity that exists in the world that's around us?
2: I think it does. I do worry that um, visual representations like this still rely on the labour of LGBTIQA plus people to educate and to have those conversations with other community members as they're walking past or that those articles are up and on um, media and the like. Um, You know, I do think that there are ways that governments and councils and, um, you know, public representatives can actually... Further, decrease the amount of emotional and educative labour that sits with our community um, around uh, being really clear about why they've done those sorts of things and making sure that those representations on roads and footpaths and in Canberra's case, a roundabout, uh, come with a plaque of explanation, come Mm. with um, an identity that can actually exist outside the explanation of LGBTIQA plus folk.
0: That's brilliant. It's such a great idea. Now, as we mentioned in our introduction, you do a lot of advocacy work in the LGBTQIA community. What are some of your greatest achievements in this space personally?
2: Look, I've been really lucky in my career to uh, have worked at um, a, a couple of the LGBTIQA plus services here in the ACT and certainly being part of the um, process around uh, getting prep um, on the um, PBS is something that I view as a mm. really key milestone. I also think here in the ACT recently, through uh, work on the Ministerial Advisory Council on LGBTI Q plus affairs, uh, getting uh, reforms around um, uh, deferrable medical interventions for those born with intersex uh, characteristics, as well as uh, conversion practices, um,
0: exclusions here in the ACT as well. Wow. I wish you could see our faces. Like, what an incredible list of accomplishments.
1: Our smiles are getting bigger and bigger as we're hearing it because I think it's also great and important to hear. I think we can sometimes forget within our own states or or territories, we just focus on what's going on within that area and think that's the whole piece of the pie. And to hear that larger, larger and broader conversation of what's happening in Canberra and how that affects all of us and helps positive change for all of us is really huge.
2: I think in the ACT, I've been very, very lucky to work alongside uh, a lot of fierce advocates and people with lived experience, uh, as well as a quite a progressive government. Um, and certainly, uh, it's been an absolute privilege to play a very small part uh, in those processes here in the ACT, and to see the ways in which. Uh, that deeply impacts the lives of uh, those with lived experience.
0: Definitely. Now, with the ACT in mind, I was saying just Canberra before, but I forget that it, Canberra is within an entire state. So apologies for that. Do you think there are ways in which the ACT is leading LGBTQIA plus actions that other states could learn from?
2: Absolutely. And I've mentioned some of them um, in that shortlist before, you know, I think the work recently done in the ACT on the shoulders of some incredible and fierce advocates and organisations that have certainly um, lifted above their weight, uh, the uh, legislation around uh, deferable medical interventions for people b- born with intersex characteristics really does centre bodily autonomy and choice and control with individuals uh, within the intersex community. And it is a significant piece of legislation for the ACT, but it's a significant piece of work that other states and territories can absolutely learn
1: from. Mm. Well, don't go anywhere, Sue, because we are loving this conversation and want to hear so much more. You're on Joy Breakfast with Rachel and Dean. Joy. You're on Joy Breakfast with Rach and Dean, and we're chatting with Sue Wiebeck about advocacy for LGBTQIA plus communities in Canberra.
0: We're now going to touch on your work as CEO of the Domestic Violence Crisis Service. And just a reminder for anyone listening, if you do require support during this conversation, please head to joy.org.au forward slash support for resources available for our community. Now, when we talk about Domestic violence, physical violence might be one of the first things that comes to people's minds, but what else can violence look like?
2: That's a really great question. I think we've all been uh, sold through mass media, but also what we consume in movies and television, that absolutely violence sits with physical violence. But what we know is that that is often not present in uh, cases of quite um, significant and ongoing pieces of domestic violence, but also that Uh, Sometimes uh, physical violence may come at the end of a long um, uh, experience of domestic violence. It includes things like uh, coercive control, which we understand to be a pattern and system of behaviours that aim to exploit power over somebody and control their decisions and actions. And that can include things like financial abuse, emotional abuse, Psychological abuse, it can be about withholding basic needs from somebody, and it can be about threats around violence, public humiliation, or restriction of freedom of movement or restriction of access to um, people or things that somebody loves, like animals or children Mm -hmm. or extended family or friendship groups.
1: As we've started hearing more conversations and data in relation to domestic violence, specifically in regards to the LGBTQIA communities, we're seeing that it's often looked over as a heteronormative problem. And that's why some things within our communities can be missed. What are some of the things specific to our community that you see in your role as CEO of the Domestic Violence Crisis Service?
2: I think to start with, we need to be really clear that we've had to, as LGBTIQA plus community members, fight for equality under the law and in recognition of all of our peers across Australia. And it is really hard to come forward and put your hand up and say, those relationships that we were fighting for recognition for, also have the same problems that heterosexual relationships have. Because we do fear that that actually, I guess, impacts the broader movement of equality. But the reality is, is that our relationships are vulnerable to the exact same gender inequalities and patriarchal control and power that we see in heteronormative relationships. We see the exact same kind of patterns of behaviours, but we also see things like threats to out somebody, threats to withhold um, or actions to withhold somebody's um, uh, medical uh, treatment so um, uh, oral medications or PrEP uh, or uh, HIV medications or hormones and transition Um, supports, but also threats to out people in workplaces Mm. or in social settings and family settings where they may not actually be out to their community in ways to degrade somebody's social standing. But also often we see people playing on people's own internal senses um, of homophobia, transphobia, um, intersexism and the like uh, in a way that actually makes people uh, genuinely believe that they are not equal to their heteronormative or cisgendered peers in the community.
0: Yeah, wow. So, in your role as CEO in this space, do you think that you have brought around really active change for our communities around this space that maybe previously wasn't there before?
2: Look, I think that visibility matters, um, that we still live in an environment where absolutely visibility matters. So having a visibly queer person at the head of a mainstream organisation sends particular messages to our community. Mm -hmm. And certainly I see my role, particularly in national advocacy and the like, um, bringing a perspective that is about uh, moving away from the conversation around ending violence against women and children to being really clear that we are talking about ending gender-based violence in our community and that we, we use language like women and children, we exclude members of the LGBTIQA plus community mm. and actually in this day and age that's not good enough.
1: For people who may be experiencing or may uh, domestic violence or may be in a situation that they don't feel in control with or comfortable with, what support networks are available for them to be able to access?
2: I think to start with acknowledging that you don't have to explicitly think you're experiencing domestic violence you might just be thinking that something maybe not okay is happening in your relationship or you just don't feel great about something and you need to have a conversation with somebody about It just to kind of brainstorm what's going on. We know from research the majority of people go to friends uh, in order to talk and get support. But I really do encourage people to reach out to uh, domestic and family violence services. Each state and territory have them, and you can certainly um, look for those in your state and territory. But the easiest way to do that from a national perspective is to call 1800RESPECT. Mm-hmm. and uh, asked to be linked to local based services that also have a track record in supporting LGBTIQA plus community members.
0: Is it really important for people to specify that they are part mm. of the LGBTQIA plus community uh, at that initial contact?
2: Look I I wish I lived in a time and space where I could say that it doesn't but I think it does. I think Um, Services that have long held gendered views uh, around perpetration and those who experience particular um, attitudes and behaviours in our society, I think um, still that first hurdle is people... Uh, making assumptions about the voice that they're hearing on a phone, making assumptions about who might be involved in a relationship. I hope that one day I can really clearly say that that does not matter and that I think that um, all services are approaching interventions with people with an open mind to understand exactly what's going on in that relationship or in that person's life. But I think right now one of the ways that we can protect ourselves as community members Uh, is actually leading with that to ensure that they are um, not getting any of those assumptions around maybe what the gender of their partner might be or what their gender might be as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like the word crisis in domestic violence crisis service sometimes means this this situation could be immediate mm. does your organization work directly with um, for example the police people who are then able to go into situations um, in person in physical contact uh, to maybe help out do you address these domestic violence situations with people like the police is basically what I'm trying to ask. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. I think uh, services in each state and territory are somewhat different. But in the ACT, we have quite a uh, condensed geographical spread. Um, and we also have uh, not many services. So the opportunity there is is that we have a really deeply... Um, connected and engaged relationship with ACT policing and particularly their family violence unit Mm -hmm. and we can certainly work directly with them. We also have the capacity to, um, if there's been an incident um, and the violence has ceased and police have um, uh, finalized their work, police actually will call our service to ask for us to come immediately out to work with somebody who's been impacted by the violence. Um, or provide us information to follow up with that person in the following days. So we're really lucky in the ACT um, in that regard that we uh, do have very few services working in this space and can actually service really deep ingrained relationships and uh, memorandums of understanding with our police uh, team. We also can work with them proactively where we might be concerned about an escalation uh, for a particular family or for an individual, and maybe uh, with the consent of the person who's accessing our servers, we can uh, talk to policing about that and to seek some uh primary prevention activity in regards to that violence actually occurring.
1: It's really great, I think, for many people in our communities to hear that these pathways exist, that there is this support that is focusing on what the needs of our communities are, because we can often feel like that's not the case and knowing it exists is so important. I do want to stress if anyone uh, is listening right now and is feeling any kind of way, uh, feel free to head to joys.org.au forward slash support. We have a range of support services there for you to be able to access access, uh, and speak to people.
0: Now, relating back directly to um, domestic violence support, Sue, what, uh, where can people find additional resources on gaining support, particularly for LGBTQIA plus services?
2: Yeah, that's a, another really great question. I think if you, um, it, you know, it's always difficult when, uh, you're talking about across jurisdictions across mm. Australia, but 1-800-RESPECT uh, does have a website that lists services and engagements across um, Australia and you can access information that is specifically about um lgbtiqa plus uh community members um and access points for them but i would always encourage people to look at their um, lgbtiqa plus services in their states or territories um because generally they will have information on their website regarding uh domestic and family violence or they will have information portals that will be able to point people in the right direction but i think also just remembering that um you are absolutely able to access mainstream services uh, and to receive the um, belief care dignity and response that any member of our community uh, deserves when they're experiencing or impacted by domestic and family violence but also if you're someone who is concerned that you might be using violence in your relationship that there are services in states and territories that do Mm. support and address those use of uh, violent behaviours in relationships, controlling behaviours in relationships.
0: Thanks for listening to another JOY podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, JOY. Help us keep JOY on air. Head to joy.org.au. JOY, a diverse sound for a diverse community.